Good morning, everyone. What a fantastic time of worship together, eh, this morning. I was just lost in God's presence. It's wonderful, isn't it? We, um, we really value testimony. I want to just kick off this morning with uh, three testimonies that um, uh, have happened recently. Um, I saw Andy Johnson during the week, and they had a remembrance uh, service last Sunday, and they had a fulfilled prophecy last Sunday. Um, a number of years ago, they'd had a prophecy at KCC uh, that there would be queues of traffic from the motorway to the church. And last Sunday that happened. They had 1,250 people at their remembrance meeting. They were expecting 800. That's a good number. Absolutely stunning and fantastic to see prophecy fulfilled. Amen. Martin Dunsford went to Greenland recently and he told um, this story. I can't tell it how Martin tells it in his, his particular way. He was up in the very northern part of Greenland visiting a church and a pastor. The pastor there is a hunter. That's his profession. Um, he lives in one of these places that they have about five minutes of light in the winter every day. You know what I mean. They have very restricted light. Um, anyway, uh, he was feeling quite dejected and down and saying, God, where are you? You know, we're in the middle of nowhere, we're on top of the world here and um, nothing seems to be happening. And he was out hunting with his dog, uh, or his dogs rather, and they came across um, a polar bear and this polar bear attacked uh, one of his dogs and swiped it with its paw and damaged one of its eyes. And uh, he took it back to the town and the vet, or so-called vet, the person who sorts the animals out there, um, said, we can't save this eye, we have to cut it out. So they cut the dog's eye out, and uh, he got up the next morning, this pastor, to feed his, his dogs, and this dog came running up to him, and he just cuddled him, and he could see two eyes. He had a new eye created. Why does God do that? I don't know, but it's a sign and a wonder, isn't it? I don't get a theology of uh, praying for dogs out of that, but God does signs and wonders all because he loves us. And he wanted to tell that pastor, he wanted to show that pastor that he's not forgotten, that he is, he is with him. Andy, jo Andy joins myself were in Bulgaria last week and I was just about to preach and I had one of those moments, oh dear, the start of my sermon's not right. And I was tussling, how should I start? How should I start? And I felt that I should tell Claire's story. Claire's not here this morning, is she? Um, Claire um, was wonderfully saved recently and she gave a most fantastic testimony in July. If you were there, you would have heard a testimony before we baptized her. And um, I told Claire's story in that meeting. And uh, after, in the evening, Tetsi's mum said to me, um, I've met a friend this afternoon and she said, what have you done today? She said, I went to church and I heard this story. And she told Claire's story. And she said, gosh, that's amazing. I think I must come to your church. God's doing stuff, isn't he, around the world. It's really wonderful. I had a great time in um, Bulgaria. Did you see the pictures up there uh, last time? 
And this actually is more than we saw last week, isn't it, Andy? Because they've got the steels up. This is what our money's gone to, to, to help build this church. Some fantastic pictures there. And um, yeah, the, the church was in great heart because um, they've had two people become Christians recently. And they've not seen anybody saved uh, for quite a while. A young girl from there, sheltered housing, um, and a young man of 30 um, saved recently. So... Things were, were great, there was a buzz about the place, and we had a great, great time there last, last week. But I wanted to share those things with you before I kicked off and spoke to you this morning. We're uh, finishing our series on Ephesians, so if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're reading the last part of that, Ephesians 6 and verses 10 uh, to 20. I've entitled this message, On a War Footing, because God... Uh, gave us a prophetic word, didn't he, at the beginning of the year about us being on a war footing as a church. So I've entitled this message as On a War Footing and Battle Ready in Christ. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm." Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given to the, by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that my words will be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." And then he does a final greeting um, at the end of the, the letter there. Paul says, finally, this is my conclusion, that all God's people, you are to be strong in Christ. You are to stand in his strength in a battle that will be lifelong and tough at times. This series has been great. I've enjoyed uh, living in Ephesians these last few weeks. And because we are called in Christ, because we are blessed in Christ, because we are empowered by Christ, saved by him, united in him, emboldened, matured, illuminated and filled by him, we are also to be battle ready. One of the major themes Paul has spoken about is his glorious church. And now he urges us to put on the God-given effective armour to fight every battle. Paul is saying all you need is here in these words. We cannot live how God calls us to without having numerous spiritual battles in our life. Life will never be a bed of roses. Therefore, we need to understand the teaching in this passage. 
I think we can take a very individualistic view of this passage, me and my armour, but I actually think it's a letter for the whole church and we stand, all of us, battle ready. That's what I think the picture is here. So I want to talk about three things this morning. The first thing is know your enemy. Before an army goes into battle, a reconnaissance soldiers are sent out to investigate and find out what the enemy is like, what weapons they have, how strong they are, whether the enemy is exhausted or well rested, to find the weaknesses in the enemy. Today's armies use drones and uh, satellite technology and probably other stuff that we don't know about to find out what the enemy's forces are like, all with the aim of knowing your enemy. Remember Moses, before entering the promised land, sent 12 spies to report on what the land was like and what the people were like. Verse 11 in this passage says that we are to stand. We are to stand against the evil schemes of the devil, of the crafty methods of the devil. Therefore, it's important that we know our enemy. 1 Peter 5 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. An uncaged, roaring lion on Streatham Wreck is a bit of a frightening picture, isn't it? And that's what the enemy is like. Therefore, never underestimate your enemy. However, we're not to be fearful of him, but to know his strategies. Have a healthy respect, but never underestimate the devil. Sometimes he roars, sometimes he's subtle like a serpent. Paul tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, not against people, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, against present darkness. Against... He goes on and on, doesn't he? What does all this mean, all this, all this language? We wrestle against a personal devil who often plays dirty. We must never underestimate the devil's power and trickery. He's a supernatural being and has demonic supernatural beings that work alongside him. But what do these spiritual forces really look like? Well, they are a bit like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the damage it does at times. You can't usually see spiritual forces, but you can see the effect that they have on people. Let me give you an example of this. About 10 days ago, fortnight ago, there were some recent statistics that came out about knife stabbings in London. 119 people have died this year from stabbings in our capital, and 250 across our nation. They are terrifying statistics. Now, these are blamed by some on the numbers of police forces being reduced and a gang culture which is rising. These both, I'm sure, have some bearing in the matter. Our media rightly says, you know, what are you doing about it, government? And the government has a duty to safeguard its citizens. But actually, the root cause, the root of the problem is a heart problem and a sin problem, exacerbated, I believe, in the, the 30 years of breakdown in family life. It's parents' responsibility, isn't it, to train children, to show them right from wrong, to bring them up in a godly way. We see that at the beginning of this chapter. 
not allowing their kids to be influenced by gangs and peers in an unhealthy way. You see, the breakdown of law and order doesn't start in the streets. It starts in the heart and in the home. That's an example of spiritual forces at work. That's the tactics of the enemy. He wants to kill and steal and destroy. All that is good by working to destroy family life, to bring disorder, chaos and pain into society. These are the rulers and authorities that Paul is talking about. That's an example of the evil forces at work. The forces that can be behind governments and institutions that seek to control um, and influence the, the lives of many. I think, I'm sure you can think of other examples where you recognize um, you know, spiritual forces at work. Um, last week, uh, when we were in Bulgaria, we were told about what the, ch- the church is facing there. And you hopefully would have read the email that came round this week. Um, the government is trying to put in, on, in some laws that would severely strict uh, faith groups, and particularly evangelicals and Pentecostal Christians, uh, which are not good. That's another spiritual force that is at work in that country. The good news is that the government is allowing a little bit more discussion before another final vote. So please do continue to pray uh, for them that these, these restrictions won't come in. Remember, it is not flesh and blood that we fight against, Paul says. It's not governments. It's not people of different skin color or people from a different country or another religion or who are different from us in any way. We don't fight against them, but our battle is the forces at work in our world that want to destroy the kingdom of Jesus that he is establishing here and now. Therefore, as a church, it is important that we are aware of these forces, to have our eyes opened to these forces that are bringing darkness. But remember that the devil is a ruler in the world, but he is not the ruler in the world. Amen? Amen. His power is limited. And I love that illustration of his power being limited like that of a dog on a lead. Many of you are dog owners and you love your dogs, I know. Uh, But you restrain them, you control them when they're on the lead. The devil is on a lead. He is a ruler, yes, but he is not the ruler. Hallelujah. So know our enemy is important. My second point is, Uh, from this passage is know your weapons. Paul, while writing this letter, was being guarded by a Roman soldier and was chained to him. The soldier was probably not dressed in full armour, but this imagery, we've got him up there, um, about the armour would have been around Paul and would have influenced his thinking, and that's why he gives us this picture of the armour of God. The first thing to note, uh, Paul says, is to put on and take up the full armour of God. You know, uh, for this guy here, just wearing his helmet and shoes wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't protect other parts of his body. We can't pick and choose, uh, Paul is saying. Put on the full armour of God. Everything is necessary for our complete protection. Now, I don't hold the view that you take your armour off at night when you get in a bed and then you put it on again in the morning. Um, If you find that picture helpful then it's there's no harm in that at all but the truth behind this picture is that we have a God given protection in Christ 
when we wear this protection at all times. And then no weapon that's formed against us will stand. We are safe and we are protected in Christ. Now the order the Roman soldier would have put his armour on is the same order in this passage. He put the belt on first, then the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, and lastly, picking up the sword. So here we have five pieces of armour that are defensive to protect us and two weapons that are both offensive and defensive. Sorry the pun, but I want to rattle through the armour now. Oh, three of you got it. So firstly, now... The belt of truth is not strictly a part of the armour, but we're told to put it on. It was a leather belt that gathered the tunic in, um, the underclothing was held together by it, and the sword was put in the belt. This shows us the importance of underlying truth. That is having the foundations of truth in place in our lives. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is under attack constantly in our day. We must guard and protect the truth in our hearts. To protect the truth from error, that is a responsibility of the leaders uh, in any local church. But we have the, the duty to, the responsibility of protecting our own hearts, guarding our own hearts in this matter. And Jesus said very clearly that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So underneath all the armor, we are girded by the truth of God's words. We're kept by the truth of God's word. To know our foundations is important. Practical application of this is know all you can about God. You know, if you're not very good at studying, do 10 minutes of study or something in a week. Just, just get to know God in some new way, some fresh way. Learn about him. You know, get books, get videos, whatever way. Um, you know, helps you, but learn about God. Know your foundations. Check out your foundations. Get hungry for the truth. You know, Richard was saying, wasn't he, this morning, he's hungry for more. Are you hungry for more to know about God? We need to have that belt of truth. And the way we, we have that truth is by teaching ourselves, by, by learning. Secondly, the breastplate. The breastplate covered most of the vital organs, the heart, the lungs, the liver, and the spleen. The breastplate of righteousness is generally understood as Christ's righteousness that is given to us, and we teach that in this church, that we are justified by grace through faith in Christ and receive his righteousness. The righteousness is not from ourselves. Now, some Bible commentators, when I was studying this, say that the breastplate is not the righteousness that is imputed to us by Christ when we believe. Because elsewhere, Paul talks about presenting ourselves, our bodies to God as instruments of righteousness. And in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7, he talks about the weapons of righteousness in our right hand and our left hand. So which is it? Is it God's righteousness as our breastplate or is it our righteousness? Well, I think it's actually both. Christ's righteousness has been given to us plus our acts of righteousness. Because receiving the righteousness of Christ must lead us to righteous acts. Interestingly, practical application is that verse that Paul read out to us. I, we haven't colluded on this, but I've got it in my notes here. Micah 6, it says, Act justly, love kindness, 
walk humbly with God. We are able to do all of those things. They are righteous acts of us as God's people. Act justly in those situations you come across in the week. Do the right thing. Love kindness. Be kind to people. Walk humbly before God. Jesus said, didn't he? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is living righteously. And this protects us, the righteousness of Christ. Thirdly, put on the shoes. Roman soldiers would have worn leather-studded boots with their toes exposed, not like our guy up here. Um, This is a Roman soldier from a slightly later period. And they tied these up with straps around their ankles and their lower legs. These reminded us that we are always to share the good news of the gospel. And I'm so glad we heard that testimony today from Richard. That's the gospel of peace. And people need to hear it. And we are called to advance the gospel. So the shoes give us a firm footing for all types of ground. The gospel gives us a firm footing, a firm foundation. So we're not to be wobbly Christians. We're to be firm-footed Christians. Amen. Fourthly, take up the shield of faith. This would have been a very large shield. Our little guy out there hasn't got one. So he's not fully armoured, is he? Um, It would have been a large shield, not a handheld one, but one that would have covered most of the body. It would have been about a metre and a half high and about three quarters of a metre wide. I could have hidden nicely behind it. It protected soldiers from the arrows that had been dipped in pitch and fired at them. This wooden leather covered shield would have extinguished the fiery arrows. Now, the arrows that come against you and me are lies and accusations. We sung about that this morning. False guilt, impure thoughts, doubt, fear, disappointment, you name it. They're the things, they're the fiery arrows that come against us. And these burning arrows cannot harm us when we use the shield of faith. Faith lays hold of the promises of God during times of doubt and temptation. Our walk is a walk of faith, not of feeling. So we use our shield of faith, as it were, like this picture, in those sort of circumstances when doubts come. There's nothing wrong with doubts and temptations. They happen to us all the time. But we have a shield of faith, the truth of God's word, that protects us. Fifthly, the helmet of salvation. The helmet was made of iron or bronze. Uh, They could take a heavy direct force against them. Some of them had hinged visors that came down. Some were decorated like our guy up here. Isn't that a wonderful headgear? I'd love to have headgear like that. The helmet speaks of, of your ongoing salvation and deliverance from the enemy. It saves and protects you from the power of sin. The helmet of salvation reminds us of our ultimate hope, our final destination in the presence of God and away from evil. Practically, though, Remember that you are protected from evil thoughts and accusations by you rejecting them in the name of Jesus. That's your part. It works, brothers and sisters. You reject those thoughts and those temptations in Jesus' name and they will go. Most of the battle, you see, is in our thought life and under our control, under our authority, in the name of Jesus. 
We overcome as we speak truth continually, as our minds are renewed continually. So there are the five pieces of armor, and then there's two others that are weapons that we can use in the battle. The sword, this would have been a short sword used for close combat, one-to-one fighting. Uh, the sword was defensive and offensive. And we are to take up the sword, which is the word of God. 2 Timothy, 6, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training in righteousness. And then it says that the man of God may be competent, equipped in every good work. The word of God equips us for battle. Jesus gives us a sword of truth and enables us to use it. Every soldier who carried a sword, though, would have had to practice how to use it. You cannot just pick up a sword and start using it without a few lessons. I wouldn't know what to do with a sword at all. You need lessons and practice in using it. Therefore, we need lessons and practice in using the words of God and to stand in its authority. John 14, Jesus promises that the Father will send us a helper who is the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. And he is the spirit of truth. Practical tip for you. I've got what I call power verses written in the back of my Bible. They're verses that I find helpful when um, things come against me. So on all different subjects. Can I encourage you to write out some power verses Write out some verses. When you go through something and God gives you a scripture and you find it, it really helps you, gives you victory in that situation, write it down and remember it. Don't forget it because when the next time it happens, you can use that power verse. A practical tip for you in using the word of God. Learn to apply the word of God, the truth of scriptures to your life. Learn to use the sword. You can stand in the authority that God gives you in the word of God. Remember what Jesus did when he was led into the desert and tempted by the devil. How did he confront and defeat the devil's accusations? It was the word of God. He used the word of God. He said, is it not written? Is it written? (laughs) And you can say that. Hey, it's written here in the word of God. That's where we stand. The word of God is so powerful because it is spirit breathed and we connect with the spirit's power when we apply the word of God to our lives and stand in its authority. Hallelujah. You're allowed to get excited, people, if you want to. (laughs) Not compulsion there. Secondly, the attack weapon that we have is prayer. Now, there's a whole sermon in here, but I'm going to get through this very quickly for you. Paul tells us four secrets here in verse 18. He says, pray at all times. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't pray all day. I try to pray all day, but I don't pray all, all day. And I don't suppose many of you do either. But what he means here is pray in the moment. Don't leave it till the evening. Don't leave it till life group happens or whatever. Pray in the moment. Pray at all times. Pray when it's happening. That's the power in it. Secondly, pray with all supplication. That means humbly ask and seek in your prayers. Thirdly, pray with perseverance. I love the analogy. Sometimes you go through a public door and it's got push on the door and you have to push it, don't you? 
The acronym there is pray until something happens. If you've got a door that you can't get through, you pray until something happens, okay? You keep pushing. That's the sense of what perseverance means there. And then fourthly, pray for all the saints. So pray at all times, pray with supplication, pray with perseverance, pray for all the saints. In other words, cover each other's backs. It is the spirit that helps us in our prayers We don't have to do it in our own strength. James tells us that the prayer of a righteous person has great power. It carries enormous authority. Your prayers carry enormous authority. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Can I have the next slide up, please? And this is um, a slide of police in right gear. I couldn't get a better... Um, picture than this I found some but uh, this is police in right gear you can't really see it but it's interesting our police on London streets or any streets um, have very similar gear to what a Roman soldier would have would have had it covers exactly the same parts they've got tiddly little shields there haven't they Um, but there's one difference that our riot police have they've got a two way radio they're in constant contact with their commander. They have a direct link. So the third, my third point is know your commander. Paul, while writing this letter, was guarded by a Roman soldier, but Paul would have been thinking about the person who was really guarding him and protecting him, the great guardian, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, the heavenly warrior. Following the military theme then, Jesus is our commander. He is our heavenly chief warrior, the one who we follow, the one who fights our battles, the one who is on the other end of the two-way radio, if you like. Verse 10 is the key verse in this passage. And it says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is not a suggestion from Paul. He's not saying, well, can I just um, give you a bit of an idea here? You know, it might be good to think about being strong in the Lord. No, it's a command. He's very um, particular in in what he's saying here. It's a command. Be strong in the Lord. This was my baptism verse when I was 18 and had hair. And this verse has followed me, if you like, during my life. Be strong in the Lord. Paul uses the same word in 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And this is not a one-off strengthening. It's a constant being strong in him. He is strong. You can know his strength. The power and authority is in the Lord. We cannot make ourselves strong. We are frail, weak, and human. We cannot strengthen ourselves, but we can be empowered in Christ through his spirit. Know your commander because in him you are strong and can walk in authority. Christ Jesus on the cross disarmed the powers that are against us. Colossians 2.15 says this. Jesus disarmed the powers and the rulers, the authorities, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. All of Christ's enemies are being put under his feet. In him we live 
and have our being. We live in that place of ruling. Therefore, in Christ, you can stand. You can withstand. And you can remain standing. In all circumstances, we can stand firm. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that enthroned him in the heavenly places, is at work in you as we live in him. So to wrap these, these thoughts up, Jesus, our commander, I believe, is calling us to battle, to be ready for the battle. We must understand the reality of the battle that we face, the pressures and the struggles that will be along the way, that will be lifelong. This is because the enemy will do everything he can to see the kingdom of darkness increase. But we know that this is not going to happen because of the increase of Jesus' kingdom, because of the increase of his government, as Isaiah prophesied, there will be no ends. There will be no truce or ceasefire in the battle. We are to remain in the battle. And when we know the commander, we will know our strength in Christ Jesus. We can be strong. It's not about us becoming Christian versions of brave hearts, though if you've seen that film. We're not to be pumped up. We're not to paint our faces and rush around hollering and shouting and wielding a sword. That's not really the image of us being people of authority because it's in quietness and confidence that we stand in authority. That's the truth behind it. The the armour is a picture, but actually the truth is that you and I can stand in quietness and confidence and authority as we abide in Christ. Jesus said, didn't he, abide in me and my words in you and ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As we live in oneness with Jesus, as we live in his strength, his empowering and his authority, we will be on the winning side. We are on the winning side because our strength for the battle comes from him. Can I invite the worship team just to come back please? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. As I was praying um, how I should conclude this message, I just just felt that uh, uh, we needed to reconnect and really make sure that we are um, with the commander, as it were, that we've really got Jesus as Lord in our lives. In, uh, in our prayer meeting, it's always been referred, there was this picture of this wonderful cleansing whiteness coming over us as a church this morning. And uh, that's a beautiful picture of his clothing of us, if you like, in his armour, <laughs> to use the Um, language of Paul here but I just want us to check out our hearts just to make sure that Jesus really is Lord Um, and as a um, sign of that I just want us to stand and just be quiet and ask the Holy Spirit just to reveal any areas in your life where you know you've gone off the boil a bit where you're not really in contact with the commander as you should be where Jesus isn't Lord so can I invite you to stand Just check out.
to check out your foundations. You know, is Jesus Lord in your family? Is Jesus Lord in your finances and your work and your career, your job? Is Jesus Lord over your health, your past, those hurts? Or maybe you're saying things, never, not me, I'm never going to do that. You know, I'm never going to pray out loud. I'm never going to prophesy. I'm never going to go on the streets. I'm never going to do dot, 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 whatever it is. You know, if Jesus is Lord, we should never have those I'm never going to do statements. Because <laughs> Jesus isn't Lord if you're going to say no, Lord. So just check out your heart and just confess those things. Repent. I've done a bit of repenting this week. I can assure you as I've prepared this. Thank you that you are our great commander. You're our great chief. You're the guardian of our souls. You're the heavenly warrior, Jesus. And thank you that we have such authority when we stand in you. We have all that we need, all the protection we need, everything we need for this life when we stand in you, when we're in Christ. Thank you for that, that shouting message from the book of Ephesians. You're in Christ. That's the whole message of Ephesians, that we are in Christ. That's when we're strong, even when the temptations are hard and the doubts are huge. We can be strong in him. It's not about our ability, you know, it's about our availability. Jesus yeah Lord we want to just reaffirm your lordship in this place your lordship over this church you're the commander of this church you're in control and Lord we want you to be in control of every part of our lives and we give ourselves to you afresh this morning Jesus you really are Lord You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.